it's been a long time since you guys have seen the Charles Tendell show and anything to do with technology. But guess what, guys? I'm going to try this one more time. And this time, we're talking about Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos got his mobile phone hacked back in 2018. And apparently, it looks like, at least it looks like, it has a lot to do with the with Saudi Arabia. And joining this conversation to tell us a little bit more about what's going on in that is Owen Carey, the CEO of EdgeScan. Owen, welcome to the Charles Tyndale Show, man. How are you? Hi, Charles. Happy to be here. Right on. So give my honest little background about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, Owen Carey is my name. Um, I'm the CEO of EdgeScan, which is a SaaS-based uh, vulnerability intelligence platform. So what, what EdgeScan primarily does is it detects vulnerabilities on a continuous basis in order to keep pace with development and DevOps and, and, and in effect to try and make people uh, more secure. And, and, you know, and a resulting would be the, the idea of, of having more secure applications and keeping pace with development and change and that type of thing. Right on, right on. Okay, so let's jump into this one. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, and this crazy hack. What's going on? Yeah, well, it appears um, that you know we we know now that that the the the, the phone was hacked. Um, it also appears that the 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 methods of of exploit was using uh, a malware toolkit or framework called Pegasus. Um, Pegasus is a commercial uh, product. Uh, developed by a company called NSO, based in Israel. Um, it's a very, very advanced and weaponized uh, product. Um, it's, it, it primarily uh, would exploit vulnerabilities in the phone in order to get a foothold. And then, by virtue of doing that, uh, compromising the, the entire phone, uh, the, you know, so, so everything from the user's calendar, passwords, anything in the keychain, which is the sort of secure part of an Apple phone. Obviously, Pegasus works on Android as well. Um, and it can be done pretty much invisibly to the user. And it's a very, very powerful, um, weaponized um, way of, 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 of sort of hooking an individual and, and, then, and then, in effect, you know, gaining a presence on an individual's device, which, which you know, as we know, uh, mobile devices and smartphones are very personal devices. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, if one can, can gain access to that on a continuous basis, um, the result will be compromise of everything from email, browsing history, calendars, even voice, uh, voice calls can be, can be, can be recorded. Uh, and also things like GPS locations. So it, it's a very, very powerful um, payload uh, delivery mechanism. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we know what we can get out of somebody's mobile phone. We know how all the information that can be pulled out of this. How did this, did, is there any speculation yet on how this actually took place? Now, I read some things that it was a file that might have been sent. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be that the, 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 it really depends on. So it's interesting, right? So, so most of these um, sort of commercial grade uh, you know, exploit toolkits, um, there's a couple of things in, in terms of background. They're extremely expensive, um, and the reason they're extremely expensive um, to to purchase 
um, is, is they leverage generally zero-day uh, exploits, zero-day exploits being vulnerabilities which, um, which, which we, don't, we don't know about, as in the industry, the, 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 the software maker, the, the actual device vendor, etc. Those people don't know about this vulnerability. Um, you know, so, so the idea would be is that organizations, particular organizations, would have teams and teams of researchers looking for these types of zero-day vulnerabilities. Um, primarily, what would happen is you, know, you would send the, the, the victim a link or a file, and that link or file, in effect, would cause an exploit using one of these vulnerabilities. So the Pegasus uh, framework is a delivery mechanism for these exploits. Um, in many cases, um, uh, you know, a user d does not even need to click a link. It can be uh, uh, as soon as the payload is delivered to the phone, um, it exploits automatically. It's silent. Um, you, the user wouldn't even know it's occurring. So by virtue of using these zero days, and zero days in, you know, the, the sort of, there's two types of researchers in the world, really. There are researchers that find vulnerabilities. They, they follow responsible disclosure. They inform the vendor of the issue. They give the, the vendor a chance to sort of, you know, you know find a patch, an issue, a patch to all the users. And then eventually um, the, 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 the vulnerability goes public once a patch is known and once people can do something about it. The other type of researcher is a uh, researcher sort of uh, side of the fence. It's very much the idea that, um, you know, you have teams of researchers that are finding vulnerabilities and these vulnerabilities aren't disclosed to the vendors. Mm -hmm. And these vulnerabilities can be sold um, primarily to, you know, nation states and you know, you know, you know, they're used for corporate espionage, et cetera. And these vulnerabilities are extremely expensive. So you're looking, you know, north of twenty-five thousand dollars, maybe more, for a single infection using something like Pegasus, because the amount of effort that will go in to um, to, to, to finding the actual, you know, uh, zero days, packaging them up, and, and then using them. The idea, you know, with zero days is, you know. If they're used, um, th th there's a fear that, that, that you know the, the vulnerability will be discovered, and, and then a patch will come out. So you know, zero days don't last very long. Um, it takes a long time to find them, and uh, and they may be discovered rather quickly. So hence the, the cost. It, 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 you, know, it, you know, as I mentioned, can be thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, once the once once the payload goes in. Um, it, it would exploit, you know, it would exploit some of these vulnerabilities. Um, once the vulnerabilities are exploited, generally it, it sets up a connection to a command and control server. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if we exploit somebody, if we exploit a victim, what we need to do then is pull the data down to somewhere so we can use the data for our own needs uh, as the attacker. Makes sense. So now, the idea would be, yeah. So, in, but in, in this particular case, I mean, has the has the forensics mm -hmm. actually confirmed that's what happened yet? Do we have do we have a, a roadmap of what was actually exfiltrated from from you know Lord Bezos's phone yet? I'm I'm not I'm not aware that that, that that's been disclosed. Um, but the forens the digital forensics in the phone appear uh, uh, appear to it appears to be the case that that it was exploited. Mm -hmm. It was exploited um, via WhatsApp, and it, it seems to be. Uh, it, it, I, I think. I think they can also identify when it occurred. Right. Um, yeah. Now, uh, 
now how did how did it get discovered? I know. I mean, I know how the zero days work. I mean, was was Jeff Bezos just rolling around on his phone and all of a sudden was like, hey, something's not working right? Or did somebody catch something malicious on one of his networks, you think? I'd say it, it, it could have been a mixture of both. Um, again, in terms of public disclosure, uh, it, it's not there yet, but there's a couple of things there. One will be if, if the phone is on a wireless network, you know, a corporate network, right. uh, at some point, um, you, you may see a lot of traffic zipping out, out of the network. To, to sort of possibly blacklisted IPs or to uh, to two sort of, you know, random IPs. And, and then obviously the actual data as well. Um, so, you know, in terms of detecting that stuff, if you know you're looking for it, it's possible. But in many most cases, um, you know, by the time you detect that, it's sort of the, the game is over anyway, the horse is bolted. Um, so as an attacker, you generally you would have, a, particularly with, companies with a lot of tech and, and obviously if you're using a phone in a corporate environment you would assume that that various you know intrusion detection and, 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 and DLP or data leakage prevention systems will be seeing this traffic leaving the network it's all coming from somebody's phone mm-hmm. and eventually the game will be up mm-hmm. now, there's one caveat there um, one caveat will be is, is, is that if the phone wasn't on a network, it was on a, a you know a four G, you know a, a mobile network, it could be quite some time before it was detected. Um, in many cases, you 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 won't see a, any any sort of uh, obvious uh, changes to your phone um, in terms of yeah I'm I'm affected or whatever. It, it's very subtle, um, and, and it's very very professional and very advanced. Okay. Now let's go back a little bit. So it's been, it's been speculated or at least pretty much confirmed this particular piece of malware or the virus or whatever it was that was sent to the phone. This might've been something Mm -hmm. that was constructed by a state actor. Yeah. That's the interesting thing is that if it is, uh, allegedly, it's this Pegasus framework or or a toolkit that was used. Now we've, we've heard that before. We've we've heard that yeah. before. We've heard we've heard the frameworks and these these modules being being attributed to these grand hacks before. Only later to find out that it was just kind of something somebody bought somewhere. Yeah, well, see that the, the the problem is with that is, is is that a lot of these organizations have well they 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 they, they certainly claim that they would never sell such a um a, you know such a toolkit to any any random, uh, you know, any random, you know, possible purchaser. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and these organizations take their governance of who they sell this to very, very, um, you know, it, it's a very strong uh, cultural thing within, I, I, you know, if you look at sort of NSO's website, for example, it, it, you know, it, they talk about it, it's primarily sold to nation states uh, for legal interception. Mm-hmm. It's it's used for it's used for you know anti-terrorism and, and sort of and, you know anti-organized crime and, and those types of things. Um, from last time I heard, um, I, I I wouldn't uh, I've seen seen uh, the, the CEO of Amazon uh, you know falling into any of those categories. So, in terms of ha- how this was used and 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 who procured the the actual tool um, to to do this. Um, it, it's interesting because, you know, technically it's only meant to be used, uh, you know, in terms of anti-terrorism and, and organized crime, you know, v- via the, 
the framework of legal interception, mm-hmm. um, which is which is sort of raises a lot of concerns and a lot of questions. Now, this NSO group, right? They've been they've been around the industry for a while, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have been. Um, you know, and, and, and they're, 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 they there's a couple of sort of similar organizations over the years which which you know have are involved in this sort of zero day market um and, and also leveraging weaponizing zero days um you know another sort of familiar or you may have heard in, in the media over the years was a couple of hacking team uh mm-hmm. which which were doing similar things again selling legal interception uh frameworks to, to, to tap mobile phones and, and everything in the phone. Um, you know, and, and then there was another organization called Gamma Group as well. <clears throat> so, so basically, you know, they're very clever people. They have very, very large research teams in order to find these zero days. Because obviously, once a zero day is discovered, it gets patched, you have to find another one, you know, you have to move on. Um, so the business model would rely on the fact of discovering um, these types of things. Um, and, you know, in order to do that, it, it is a pretty deep uh, level of security knowledge. It's a pretty mature um, orchestration of technology and, and obviously then the, the ability to, to, to work with these organizations. If you look at sort of a lot of these organizations, if you look at the advisory boards um, and the people involved, it's generally people that were involved in military, in, in defense. Uh, and so on, you know, so, so generally these organizations do have links, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, by proxy to nation states, um, in effect. Now, this NSO group, what they do, it, it's it's legal, right? The research that they actually do and, and how they procure some of this information? Yeah, well, yeah see, there's some ethical questions there, depending on who you talk to. Um Legal, it depends on, on where it's done. Some, some countries in Europe, for example, it's, it's illegal to reverse engineer technology um, to do this. You can be arrested for it, um, you know, depending on, on, on where in the world you're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, there have been legal challenges, um, you know, brought against, uh, you know, companies similar to NSO or, you know, or, or, or hacking team or, or any of those organizations um, because, you know, the, the claim is that they've illegally reverse engineered. Um, you, you know, that they, they maybe they got too deep into intellectual property. So, so it, it's, I'm not a lawyer, but, but, mm. but, but depending on where you are in the world, it, it can be uh, a gray area, if not an illegal act. Um, mm. But again, it depends who you are. Yeah, consult with your nearest attorney for that one to make sure. Now, <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. NSO group and some of these, like you had said earlier, they're not. This is not a cheap thing. Like if somebody wanted to get a hold of Pegasus, they're paying tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to to acquire this and other zero days like this. So we're not we're not talking mom and pop on the street or your friend in the the apartment or that crazy hacker hanging out in his high school taking over this, right? We're thinking these are again going to be big dollar yeah. spenders. Yeah, it's interesting. So so the industry itself, you know, the cyber industry, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of marketing uh the marketing machine talks about zero days, you got you're going to get hacked by a zero day. And this type of thing. To be honest, zero days are a rare commodity. Um, zero days take a lot of, you know, particularly zero days which are discovered, um, and, and 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 they're not ethically disclosed, so somebody can fix the issue. Um, 
so, so the idea of using a zero dig at the mom and pop shop or, you know, you know, school or, you know, an individual, uh, you know, a regular person is very far fetched because the value of a zero day vulnerability on the market is extremely high. You're looking at north of $30,000, you mm-hmm. know, for, for a zero day. Um, there is a market there if, if you go and look in terms of people uh, willing to buy them, broker them, and resell them. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, the organizations which purchase zero days in terms of cyber warfare are nation states. Um, and, and, you know, if you have a couple of really good zero days, you've got to be very particular on who you're going to use them against because, because one, they cost so much money, and, and two, Once you probably don't out, get too many out. chances. Yeah. yeah, they're out, they're out, exactly. exactly. So, so hence the, the value and the cost associated with them. Okay, so this seems pretty pretty wild, right? I mean, we hear about Saudi Arabia doing all kinds of stuff, and we hear about these different nation states just taking these leeways. Is there any possibility that the crown prince could have been a victim of something? Like, he got hacked and used his phone to be able to perpetuate a further hack into Jeff Bezos? Sure. Yeah, of course there is. Um, you know, uh, like, like, you know, in terms of proving... You know the crown prince or or any other actor uh you know you know sort of guilty for, for shall we say of any of these things will be extremely difficult um but but you know with techno technology you know it, it could have been something bounced on on from his phone into into bezos phone i suppose in, in many cases the the idea will be is to look for the simplest explanation and, and then exhaust that first mm-hmm. so hence all, all the media uh, t- attention at the moment in terms of you know, the, the, the Saudis hacked, hacked uh, the CEO of Amazon. Like, you know, the, the, the idea would be, uh, you know, unless it's otherwise proven. Um, but, yeah, and, and cyber forensics as well is a very, you know, if, if you give it too much time, you know, the, the actual data erodes, um, you know, it gets more more difficult over time to, to actually establish material evidence, you know, in either direction, proof positive or proving negative. Um but, but currently, the media is saying that uh, it, it appears, you know, that that, that during a, a call, um, you know, at a particular time, um, a, a file was shared, which which appears to be the, the cause of, of the issue. Right. Um, but again, you know, if that was, you know, in error or or or, or the, the actual um, perceived attacking device. Um, as in the other end of the line from Jeff Bezos' phone. Um, you know, again, it could have been used as a, as a hopping point into his phone, or it could have been the, the, the ground zero for the attack. You know, And again, I think that really needs to be proven. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in this particular case, right, do you think the media is making it worse or better? Because, I mean, the only people who are really kind of yeah. getting you know, some extra press on this one is NSO Group. And, you know, their their name keeps getting yeah. up and we keep talking about it. So they're going to get some new clients from everywhere. And it hasn't been proven how yeah. this actually took place. So the media is just kind of running with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and, and to be honest, what sort of a, a lot of this type of thing where, where, where you're sort of involving a technology that not very many people have seen or used. Um, it's a very um, exclusive client base. It's a very expensive technology. Um, it's it's used for one purpose only. Um, it's it's 
it's allegedly meant to be used to, to, to fight crime and terrorism and you know, legal interception of people's calls, which is, is a requirement in this day and age anyway. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the thing is, is that, you know, when, when any genie gets out of the bottle, you know, it, it's going to be misused by somebody at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, so, so, you know, I think, I think I, you know, personally, I think, I think the jury is out. I think NFL are getting the finger pointed to them. Uh, you know the 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 the, the, the forensics on, on, on the on the uh, on the target device appear to point the finger at the NSO Pegasus framework mm-hmm. our, our toolkit. So you know until that can be disproven, or you know it's it, it's sort of it's anybody's call um, to be honest. Now I mean NSO is kind of untouchable. Like what what exactly can you can they be charged with if anything? I mean they. They sold a product. Somebody allegedly misused said product to be able to do these things. Do they have, yeah. Do, yeah. from an ethical standpoint, do they have some sort of responsibility to that? It's kind of like a gun store owner being held responsible for selling a gun to somebody yeah. to go and use it. Well, well, that's the thing, you know. But like, there is a, quite a divide in the in, in the in the infra security, appsec, you know, cybersecurity industry in terms of. Organizations, um, you know, investing in researchers, um, finding um, vulnerabilities, not reporting them to vendors, and weaponizing them and selling on them as as pretty much cyber weapons. You know, um, you know, you know. There's two there's two frames of thought there. Like one of them is it's it's sort of ethically wrong, right? You know, we we shouldn't be doing that. Um, but but then the argument would be, well, you know. By virtue of using this technology, many terrorist attacks, many organized crime rings, you know, things like pedophile rings, you name it, may have been broken up um, by virtue of, of some of this technology. So it's, it's um, you know, in terms of, you know, how do you regulate that? Mm-hmm. How do you globally regulate it? Because the internet is, you know, it, it's not one place anymore. So there's laws don't apply in one country that can be applied to another. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I think a lot of the onus, a, a lot of the responsibility is on the organization delivering and selling this, this, this type of solution in order to, to, try, to try and ensure that, that it's only been sold to legitimate uh, buyers. Um, which are doing it for the right reasons, but again, you know, like it's software, right? So, so, so somebody could buy something, cop, make a copy of it or whatever, and, you know, and, and give it to somebody else. You know, it's software. It's like sharing, you know, a book from the library, right? It, you know, so, so once, 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 once uh, an organization sells something to somebody, like, like, you know, you're, you're spot on. Like, if I sold uh, somebody uh, uh, an assault rifle. And, and then they gave it to somebody else, and that person did something with it. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's not really the guy that sold the assault rifle. It's 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 not their fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, assuming uh, a selling assault rifles is legal in the jurisdiction, it's it's it, it's really you know it's very hard team to control and, ha- and a very hard team to govern. And I'm not sure there is a solution uh, to it. But my personal view is that you know. People like, you know, Edgecan, my company, you know, a lot, a lot of things like OWASP organizations, we're all there to try and make things more secure. And in one way, you know, sort of weaponizing 
uh, exploits. I'm, I'm not divulging the exploits in an ethical way to the vendor so they can fix the issues. Mm-hmm. doesn't really help um, because if those exploit toolkits, if those, if those types of things keep falling to the wrong hands, obviously they're going to get misused, mm-hmm. similar to a, a, lot, a lot of things in life, I'm afraid. But, you know, that's life. <laughs> so so let's, I'm glad you brought up EdgeCan. What, what could EdgeCan have done to have maybe detected this? Would this would it have been something that, they, that could have been picked up and could have been, I don't know, maybe alerted on sooner? Because this happened in 2018 um, from everything I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing with EdgeCan is, you know, you know the idea of, of detecting zero days. You know, it's zero day for a reason. Right. Um, so, so no matter what technology you had, um, you know, you can buy the best technology from the largest vendors in the world. It wouldn't have detected that. Like, 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 like um, to discover vulnerabilities, um, you know, in, in, a, in an industrial way, and to use them in, in, a, in a sort of a product and a weaponized product. You know, you're probably looking at a research team of, of, of you know, a hundred to two hundred people. Um, you know, doing this on, on a continuous basis. So if you think about it, all the, the actual vendors that build the systems probably don't put as much time into security as the researchers do. So, you know, the, the, the actual organization that builds the product, that organization is focusing on building a product that works, that is, you know, a secure, you know, to, within, within reason. You know, it's following best practice, et cetera, et cetera. It's following, you know, secure code guidelines. All that type of thing, but, but but we still find errors, you know, in products. Even if all that is done, everybody's guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like like to be honest, you know, I suppose um, products like EdgeCan are, are are similar competing products to EdgeCan. Really, wouldn't be able to detect a zero day of that nature uh, until it's discovered. What Once I appreciate, it's discovered, EdgeCan, what I appreciate you know, is how you started that was. There is no silver bullet, and these are called zero days for a reason, right? There's, there's yes. and it's kind of refreshing because I've always run into vendors, I've always run into people that want to preach the silver bullet. They want to be the one who's like, we can stop this, we can do this. Yeah. And the reality of it is, we mm-hmm. can't. We can, there's there's always going to be no. somebody thinking of something new, and until we can actually, there there is no way to prevent these things. It's only to be able to detect them faster. So how do you go about finding the detection mechanism for for zero days, how do you how do you get that information? Do you go out there and start pioneering them yourselves? Do you use some deep web intelligence? How do you guys actually find the the signatures, for lack of a better term? Yeah, well, once once a zero day is discovered, obviously, then we we know what the signature is like, and then we can detect it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but beforehand. It's it's really a non-runner. Like like commercially as a business, uh, unless your business is finding zero days and selling them for for extraordinary amounts of money, um, most vendors won't be able to do that. And, and anyway, most vendors that aren't in the sort of the space that hacking team or NSO are in, when they find these types of things, they would ethically report the issue. Um, you know, and, and then a patch would be uh, you know issued. At that point, then most most vendors on the planet will de- will then be able to tell any any clients, you know, if they're any good, they'll be able to tell any client, hey, it looks like you know from 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 what we're seeing from a signature based or from a response from the system you're assessing, you appear to be vulnerable to this issue. 
but 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 prior to that um you know it's it, it's it's virtually impossible because e- even the commercials wouldn't work like the commercials don't work in terms of um a security vendor or or, or, or a company like ourselves which 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 detects vulnerabilities but we're, we're detecting two types of vulnerability primarily so, so so there are things like cdes which are known issues which mm-hmm. we have patches for in the industry and we can detect those by virtue of, of, of many, you know, signatures and responses from the system we're assessing. And then the other way is fault injection. And fault injection is the idea of, of injecting sort of, you know, crafted requests and, and trying to see if the application, you know, responds in, in a strange way. And, and, and then if, if that happens, well, then maybe you'll push the envelope a little bit more and then see if you can exploit exploit the issue or, 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 or at least uh, sh- show your clients that the issue is exploitable. Um, so, so, you know, you know, uh, you know, I suppose to, to just to, just to repeat, like it, it is broader difficult um, for any event, for any uh, security vendor, which helps clients be secure. But, you know, we, none of us as, as, you know, from your, IPO billion dollar organization to a smaller uh, organization like Edgecamp, none of us would be in a position to find a zero day such as such as the things that are used by those organizations un- until we know about them. Once we know about them, we, we can find them very very quickly. Um, but, but that's probably the reason why why you're paying you know thirty thousand dollars an expert, right? You know, so you can't um, find it. Where me- most. Yeah, most of our clients wouldn't pay thirty thousand dollars for an exploit. You know, if we find one. So, what they, what they really want is, is a decent level of security. But then, in saying that, as I said, zero days are not used against um, you know phishing attacks on a million people. You send out this, you know, a, a, an exploit to a million people at zero day. That does not happen. No, um, it's a waste of of, of 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 a payload which you can use. Um, you know, to to sort of you know stop organized crime or to stop a terrorist, and and there's an associated cost with that. Most most ex- exploits and breaches um, are a result of you know either poor poor coding or even or an unpatched system. And it's not it's not rocket science. It, it's just that people have so much you know to to manage and to to to, to keep secure on a day to day basis. Sometimes things fall through the cracks and and the idea will be is, is those types of vulnerabilities are the types of ones which ransomware exploits, the types of vulnerabilities like SQL injections or database dumps and all this type of stuff you hear on a daily basis. Most of those vulnerabilities are rather simple. It's just that the, just that the, event, that the owner of the system didn't know it was there and probably didn't have time time to to do something about it, or even they, or maybe they weren't even aware of it. Um, but uh, you know the, 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 the sort of the 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 Amazon Be- Bezos attack is is a different ball game. You know it's uh, it, it, it's 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 a different you know it's it's nearly a different sport. You know mm-hmm. uh, compared to to sort of um, you know trying to you know trying to keep people secure. Like there's so many simple vulnerabilities out there. We find thousands every every month mm-hmm. for our clients. Um, but none of those are zero days, right? You know, the, 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 the things like the, you know, it was it was coded incorrectly, or, um, you know, it was it was uh, you know it was a system that wasn't patched, as opposed to something that nobody knows, including the vendor, 
of the, so the WhatsApp guys or the Google guys or, or the Facebook people, they don't even know about this vulnerability. And therefore, exactly. there's a lot of value. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, this, this goes, comes full circle. It's with the hacking of, of Amazon, essentially, the CEO of Amazon, you've got yeah. access to everything. Yeah. And it was out there for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. think is going on internally right now? If this was if this was a an edge scan client, what would be happening yeah. in that organization right now? Well, I would say once once they knew, knew something was up, I'm guessing, and, and, and it, it appears what they've done is that they performed digital forensics on, on the device, and by virtue of that, then that they can understand what traffic um, was emitting from the from the device. Um, either via a wireless network, a corporate network, or even the, you know, if it's a phone, it can go over 4G, 3G, whatever. Um, so I, I, I say, I say that they've probably done that. Um, in terms, you know, one of the things, you know, which is interesting is if, if Bezos used a 20 year old Nokia phone, he, he would have been much more secure. Right. You, so, those. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, 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 you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes the old stuff is, uh, is better. Um, I, I'm not sure, <clears throat> I'm not sure, you know, you know, if, if, if that phone's gone into a filing cabinet, you know, it's locked up as a piece of evidence. I'm sure he has another phone. I'm sure he still has WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he still has Facebook and all, whatever else he uses. He's still functioning. He's not going to, you know, you know, completely you know, delete his, his presence on the so, on social media or, or his email. You know, he, he still needs access to his email, you know, on his phone. He's still going to have GPS on his phone, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else. Um, he's still going to have his calendar. So, so the idea would be, I'm not sure, you know, the, the, the main thing you can do is maybe up the, the actual detection um, um, capacity. So the idea would be, you know, if, if he's in, a network, you know, in his corporate office, in his ne- on his on his network on his phone, I'm sure that they've probably ramped up the, the actual uh, traffic detection capability uh, to make sure that that, that 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 they're monitoring what's going in and out. They may be uh, recording things like the MAC address of the phone, uh, you know, and, and and then sort of monitoring if particular data emits from particular MAC addresses of, of executive phones, so we can identify the actual device by the MAC address. Maybe then you know, you know, you sort of see if the particular data is is emitting from those particular devices. You know, it, a lot more scrutiny would be will be done on those. Um, but ultimately, you know, with this type of attack, you know, there's not a whole lot more you can do in terms of prevention, um, unless you want to use a dumb phone, not a smartphone. Um, Sometimes it's got its advantages. <laughs> Indeed. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, or maybe he has two phones. You know, maybe Jeff Bezos has a burner phone now, you know. Maybe so that's he, the, you know, he, he's carrying code. That's the other aspect of this yeah. one. That's the other that's the other part yeah. of this one. Like you think about it, why would Jeff Bezos and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Arabia have a personal connection like that? Like what is how does that even end up in that in that arena? Is this actually that kind of internal communication or is it like we do here in the States sometimes we've got burner accounts, we've got throwaway stuff, we've got things that are connected to other things. We've got politicians do it all the time, right? They've got other people running their stuff, running their pages and things of that nature. 
have we we've we've 100% confirmed that this was directly Jeff Bezos in his pocket or was it just one of those phones that he has out there that he uses to test things to play with things you know what that's a good question it could have been a phone that he uses for particular calls with particular people um you know if you know, in, in certain cases, depending on on the level of security he's comfortable with, he he, he may have different devices for different things. Um, I've got colleagues, you know, in the industry which would use particular laptops for maybe their banking, etc. But but they would use, you know, a, you know, like like a lot, lot of people in the hacker space would have a hack laptop and a corporate laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's reasons for that because you know you're just keeping a, a huge Chinese wall between a, a system and a device. Uh, and the data associated on that device, which isn't that important, and therefore, if the, if the machine gets, you know, uh, compromised, well, then there's nothing much to lose, as opposed to maybe a, a more personal corporate device. You know, mm-hmm. like for for all we know, he 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 could have a corporate phone and and a personal phone. Um, I'm not sure. I doubt if we'll ever learn that. I think that would be a sort of a very sensitive, uh, you know, how they how they operate. their sort of uh, data hygiene and data security, you know, within Amazon for executives. Uh, I say I say that's dramatically changed in the last couple of years. But um, you know, again, we, we I don't think we'll know that because if we did know that, it, it would probably be used against them. Um, but uh, you know, some people say you know people are immensely people are immensely paranoid, but maybe there's a reason for that as well. Um, but then in saying that. I don't think everybody should go run out and buy a burner phone. Well, I mean, everybody's not Jeff Bezos, right? You're not, you're not. No, exactly. Like I hate to put it that way, but you're just not that important, right? Nobody's going to, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, you're not big enough for me to burn a, a very valuable tool and essentially just burn tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do this. So it's, it's to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah, It's not a scary thing for the consumer. It's just a scary thing to think, Jeff Bezos, the man running what is essentially what is the largest online retailer in the world. You know, he's connected to yes. everything. He's in everybody's houses. You know, it's it's really one of those things that mm-hmm. if he's getting hit, what is he taking with him? What all kinds of information are going to be exfilled out there? And are we going to potentially see Amazon come out later and say, hey, we've taken all the necessary precautions. We've put this in place. We've done this to ensure that these accounts weren't compromised. I'm surprised I haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah, well, you know, depending on the information, you know, you know that that was um, taken, it could be used in future for things like social engineering. You know, there, there could be things like calendar invites with uh, details of individuals. Uh, you could map out the organization a bit better. You know, you know, you know, as we know, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, he has the, uh, he, has, he has the sort of the the, the, the Amazon, he has AWS. He has, you know, the the idea. You know, Everybody he is the food. He is the drones. Everything, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, the idea will be let's pull down this information. You know, it, it it could be used simply for things like blackmail. Um, you know, it, but it could be used, you know, to to, to sort of to, to just to just to glean that information and, and in effect to use it at a later date in order to maybe attack other individuals in the organization, social engineer, maybe attack them with a similar type of attack, um, depending on what you wanted. Because, you know, a lot of organizations use AWS, mm-hmm. right? You know, even, even the U.S. government. Thing, you know, you know if, if, you, if you look at this sort of the, 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 the web of involvement that, that, that the likes of Jeff Bezos has, 
because there's a lot of people. His 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 address book and his phone, for example, would have you know names of people, you know, in a similar social circle, uh, heads of government, um, access to to people that that, that, that would be state, you know, major stakeholders in Amazon Cloud, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know, as you know, Amazon Cloud, you know, is used by governments, institutions, private organizations globally. Um, so, so, so you know, in terms of attacking, you know, a multi-pronged attack, attacking Jeff Bezos is, uh, you know, he, he is a valuable target, yeah. you know, and he's, and like, you know, if, if I was doing it, I'd, I'd probably be willing to spend, spend, uh, you know, $50,000, $60,000 on, on a product to do that as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know that's, that's sort of the level we're at. If you get, and yeah. so as it's been historically, right, with everything that I've ever seen, we're not going to know the the depth and the impact of this even after the forensics comes out or what it's going to be used for for some time. I would imagine, right? I agree. Um, you know, like first thing, like, like they may have a, a rough idea of what was exposed out of this phone, uh, maybe not everything. Um, you know, from the point of view of of what that can be used for now or in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's anybody's guess. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of lot of interesting stuff there in terms of uh, of uh, you know everything from, as I said, social engineering or or you know getting a foothold in one in one of his companies or you know numbers and names of journalists in the Washington Post or whatever. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff there which mm-hmm. can be used in the future. Um, and as I said, the, the, the sort of the, ho- the horse is bolted now. So it's it, the, the information is out there. Well, somebody's got it, right? And not and it's not Jeff Bezos. Exactly. Well, it's not just Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it's not just, not just Jeff Bezos. So there's going to be yeah, there's yeah, going to yeah. be a lot more coming out from this one as as things progress. So Owen, we're going to run out of time here, and I'd like to give my guests an opportunity to tell everybody about what matters to them. So how can people learn more about EdgeScan? You guys got a conference coming up, or any type of stuff that the people can look at? Go for it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're at, we're at RSA um, in San Francisco, uh, end of February. Um, we're, we're, we'll be talking a lot about our new API security uh, capability. So we find that uh, API security is pretty poor, um, you know, it has been. And there's more and more APIs being deployed, um, you, know, you know, particularly when we look at finance and open banking and, and fintech and all that sort of thing. So we're, we have a technology we're, we're, we're releasing around the same time as RSA around API discovery and also um, API assessment. Um, API discovery is, you know, you'd be surprised. You know, we, we did something with our clients not so long ago and, and we found over a thousand APIs, which they didn't know they had uh, exposed to the public internet. So, you know, they, they were a large organization, but, but, but it was, you know, a lot of stuff that wasn't, they weren't aware of. Cybersecurity team weren't aware of it. Um, it, therefore it wasn't being managed and, and therefore it was, all, you know, the, every, every API there was a potential avenue for, for a breach because it wasn't being secured or, or managed in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the API side of things is pretty, is pretty interesting. Um, but if you go to edgecan.com, it, it's very much, you know, the, the, where, where our website is. Um, and, you know, we deliver, as I said, uh, sort of full stack. Uh, vulnerability intelligence for for global clients. Uh, even though we're based in Dublin, in, in Ireland, but uh, we 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 we've definitely grown uh, tentacles across the globe in terms of the clients we serve. 
and the value we bring. So uh, thanks for the opportunity. Right on. Well, Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, cheers, Charles. You thanks. have a good one, and I look forward to working with you and hearing more about Ishkan, and maybe I'll run into you guys at RSA. Yeah, brilliant. Great. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Nice talk. So there you go, guys. Interesting conversation with Owen, I'm going to carry, the CEO and founder of EdgeScan. If you guys want to get more information about EdgeScan, go check them out, edgescan.com, or follow them on your favorite social media at EdgeScan. So here's the, here's the takeaway, right? So far, there is a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of, a lot of buzz, a lot of conversation, a lot of tabloid speculation going on about what was taken, how it happened, and who did it. Now, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to point fingers at the crown prince of Saudi Arabia There's because, you know, he's the bad guy and he's known for doing things of this nature, so on and so forth. But in the world of cybersecurity, in the world of ethical hacking, in the world of hacking in general, in the world of technology, there's only a handful of ways that this all happens. And it really honestly doesn't matter how it happened. The data is out there. It's on the internet. The king of the internet himself has the rest of his information out there. And we're not going to know the extent of that for quite some time. So right now, there's really not a whole bunch of speculation going. But I do wonder, and maybe this will be a question that I pose to all of you, since this is going to be the first episode of the Charles Tendell show <laughs> dealing with cybersecurity and hacking, which is fun because I haven't done this in a while. The first show back in 2020, I'll ask you guys, what do you think? At this point, we've got everybody's data is on the internet. Everybody's data is on the internet. There's no, there's no way for you to get blackmailed anymore because if anybody wants it, and it's just a few clicks or a phone call to your favorite ethical hacker to be able to get as much information as you want. And it's been that way for years. Now, there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. There's a reasonable position where people should probably expect to have a little bit of privacy, some sort of privacy, something going on there, but you don't ever really expect it anymore. You can get the information if you really, 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 really want it. But in the end, we're safe. Those of us carrying around our little smartphones don't think you're going to get hacked because... We're just not worth it. So that's going to be the end of that one. I'd love to hear you guys' opinions of it, so leave your comment in the comment section down below or find this podcast, The Charles Tendell Show, on anywhere you find find podcasts. iTunes, TuneIn, Switcher, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And keep up with us because I think, well, I don't know. We're going to see how this all goes. We've been doing a lot of emailing back and forth, and a lot of really good conversations have started to percolate. And I took... After the last two years, after everything that I've been working on locally in New Bern with New Bern Live and everything else out there, we've opened some doors. So this is going to be an interesting, I don't know, maybe you can call it a comeback. Or maybe I should do it like, what did LL Cool J say? Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. That's how it works. So that's it, guys, here on the Charles Tendell Show. I'm out of here, and I will see you probably, well, when the next conversation requires some attention to it. But again, ask your questions, figure it out, and we'll talk more with some experts out there. I'm out. <laughs>